Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on to a new RFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again in the studio. Yeah, I'm, I'm bright and fresh. I'm like a, a spring's day in here today. I'm... It has been very springy the last few days, hasn't oh, it? Saturday, Sunday, they were just glorious days. Beautiful days. Need a little, still a little bit more rain. We do, don't we? Uh, yeah, things that we'll talk about that later on, actually. We'll talk about that. Okay, I've yeah. actually jumped the gun, have I? You have. You've got ahead of me there. Well, besides rain, what else are we talking about today, Scott? <laughs> Some other plants that are out in flower, the Loripetalum, azaleas, and the Indian hawthorn. And first up today, we've got Leslie from Guitara. And Scott, she's got a question about daffodils. What a beautiful, bright coloured flower to have a question about in spring. How can we help you, Leslie? Hello. Hello, Leslie. Yes, Scott. Yes, how can we help you? Yes, I've had a very good display of my daffodils this year, but they're well gone. And they leave the white, the green stalks. What do I do with them? Don't you do anything to those yet, Leslie. You've got to leave them alone. Because what's yes. actually happening is those green stalks and leaves there, uh, mm. they're actually feeding the bulb back in under the ground. So if you were to go and cut those off, you'd be sort yes. of cutting off the, the life source of that poor, old, yes. that poor old daffodil. So you've actually got to leave them alone. Yes. Uh, you can give them a bit of a feed as well if you want at the moment with some bulb food. And that's only going to yes. help the plant because at the moment, yes, everything's going back down into that bulb to get stored away yes. for next, uh, next winter when it comes back out for you again. When they're really yellow in colour, do I cut them off them or leave them alone? Yeah, so once they have died back a little bit, they've gone yellow, you know, they're starting to get a bit brown and, and sort of yeah. sc scabby for you, then you can go and cut them off. But at the moment when they're still nice and green, yeah. it looks like they're they you know are. alive and still growing, well, you just, you just leave them yes. alone. Don't go near them at all with your secateurs. Yeah, so thank you very much, Scott. That's all right. Thank you. You have a nice afternoon, Leslie. I will indeed. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we've got Sharon from Mimai, and she needs advice on native plants. Hey, Sharon, how can we help you? Yeah, good day, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm looking for a particular plants. I've got a very north-facing um, area, but it, it's got retaining walls and things like that, so I don't want anything with too invasive a root base. I was thinking about lime acacias to throw shade onto that north face of my house. Yes, yeah, that, that's an excellent idea. Uh, look, they haven't got big root systems. And the other great thing about acacias is that very, very quickly, uh, quick growing for you. So uh, you'll be able to get them up, some shade, you know, within, you know, a year, 18 months' time. And uh, then if you want to, you can start planting some understory plants and underneath those as well that, uh, you know, might need a little bit more shade. Uh, I guess the only thing about acacias is, you know, that they are short-lived. So after about, you know, eight to nine years, uh, you know, they start to give up the ghost and get a bit scatty on you. So it might be that you have to, you know, replant, take out, uh, selectively take out some and then replant others at that time. Okay. And is there anything else you'd recommend? Um, I'm looking for shade that's going to cover about four to five metres of wall, but again, not be too root invasive. Mm. Yeah, look, look, a lot of grevillea varieties you can use in those instances. They haven't got big root systems. Uh, if you wanted to have something a little bit more permanent, you could put in uh, lily pillies as well. Uh, their root system does get a little bit more, uh, you know, sort of vigorous and larger than uh, grevilleas. Uh, but, you know, a great plant and very prunable. Uh, look, there's uh, all variety, many, many different varieties. There's Grevilleas, there's Sandra Gordon. Uh, you know, they're the larger growing ones. 
ones. Misty Pink's a very nice one. Moonlight is a particularly beautiful uh, yellow uh, grevillea, which gets quite tall for you and would give you some nice dappled shade. And if you want some lower growing ones, then there's uh, ones like uh, Robin Gordon. Uh, you know, they only get to about a metre, metre and a half tall. So you, you can get a really nice sort of staged effect. And the other sort of grevillea you could have as well, if you want it to spill down over that the sides of that retaining wall, there's uh, the ground cover ones like Gordy Chordy and uh, Royal Mantle. And they have those really beautiful little uh, sort of comb uh, flowers on them, comb-like flowers on them, and uh, look fantastic, quick growing, uh, good in retaining walls where there's uh, the moisture is actually draining away quite quickly and it's very dry uh, because they don't like having wet feet grevilleas and they're, they're quick growing for you. So yeah, they might be a, a really great alternative. Fantastic. Thank okay. you very much for your advice. That's all right. Not a problem, Sharon. You have a nice afternoon. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Sharon. Guarding Talkback on 2 and FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. Now, Scott, I managed to luckily guess one of your topics today was about rain. Well, it was eerie, almost spooky the way that you, you read my mind. Was I close? Yes. How close was I to the topic? You were staring into my eyes quite deeply at the time. Did it have something to do with it? M- maybe. <laughs> There's some moisture about it, so that is, I thought of rain. <laughs> So, look, yeah, uh, the reason I thought about the rain and, uh, you know, growth of plants at the moment is because I was looking out at my lily pillies out in my backyard and we've had this sort of strange confluence uh, where we've had a bit of rain and some heat and now it's gone dry again and it was very dry prior to that. Pardon me. And um, so the moisture that we had really just sort of set the plants off growing. It didn't actually... Uh, you know, get down deep into the soil and, you know, give us some sustainable moisture yep. to keep the plants growing. So I was looking out there today and uh, my lily pillies have set on this beautiful new growth, but it's all still very, very soft and it hasn't hardened up yet. Okay. And the trouble with that is once it dries out again, that new growth starts to, you know, droop over and start to wither. Okay. So right. you have to, uh, what I did, I actually went out and gave them a very light prune yesterday afternoon just to sort of, you know, negate that because I don't know if we're going to have, you know, rain anytime soon. But if you don't want to have to go out... Possibly and, Thursday. Possibly Thursday. Thank you for that. <laughs> Uh, but if you if you don't want to have, you know go out and prune that new growth off, the other thing you can do is just get out there and water, splash it over the plant. I, yep. I, I did that as well. I just gave them a sort of a, a foliage water, and then I gave them a bit more of a deep water this morning to uh, get them to stand up again. A bit more of a soak. Yeah, a little bit more of a soak this morning. It was just the, the foliage water just to say, hey, guys, it's all okay. You know, gave them a little pat on the head and said, yep. you know, keep on growing. Uh but then I gave them a deep soak this morning. And I think that's just because we had the rain. It was very dry. It triggered the growth. We had a bit of heat. And now it's gone dry again. So anyone with lily pillies, uh, uh, marais, you know, any plants that have just sort of sprung on at this time of year, uh, you really need to keep watering them at the moment. Otherwise, you're going to get some die back in the tips as they start to cool. Because I haven't found in my garden the top half was wet. Yes. But you dug underneath that. Still dry. What Bone you, dry. What were you digging in your garden for, Greg? Never you mind. Okay. Never you mind what I was digging for. Okay. but. So I thought it was going to be an easy dig, but it was quite hard very quickly. Turned still. out to be a dusty dig, did it? Yes, a very dusty dig. Okay, okay. But, yeah. What? Yeah, look, it just doesn't soak in. We need we need a lot of rain. We need some soaking rain over a week. Uh, you know, not that really hard stuff, but just gentle soaking rain that's going to get down into the soil. Well, hopefully we get that soon. I hope so. Thursday could be the key. Well, possibly. Okay. Possibly could be the key. Okay. I'm not, we'll, quite sure we'll how much, possi- not quite sure how much rain it's going to be, but there's a possible chance on Thursday. We'll keep possible in there. We might get some rain. Okay. And we've got Gavin from Soldiers Point, and he needs advice about growing tomatoes in containers. Gavin, how can we help you, mate? Um, 
Yeah, mainly I'm I'm uh, wondering what sort of manure to use and, and that, you know, because I'm uh, very limited in my mobility, so I've got to try and get um, manure in, you know, like in, in bags or whatever, and um, but also fertiliser or... Um, for flowering mainly because, I mean, I know you need a nitrogen-based fertiliser for for, um, for green growth, but for flowering and and stuff like that. Yeah, so where are you going to be growing these uh, tomatoes? In the ground, mate, or in uh, pots? In pots. Yeah, okay. In containers. So, right, okay. So you need to be careful about using manure in that case in containers because... Most people overuse it, and it really because you're in, you know, you're in a container. The root system's contained. Uh, it just yep. the manure goes straight down into it, into the root system, bam, up into the plant, and you'll actually burn it from the inside out. And uh, okay. You notice the stems start to to burn, and the middle of the leaves start to burn out. So you have to be really careful about that. Okay. Uh, one of the things you can do is sort of make up a, a liquid uh, sort of manure slurry. Okay, and you can do it that way. That's a much more safer way to uh, to actually administer it. Um, yeah. But look, again, I'd, I'd be very very mindful about you know not using manures in those sort of conditions. Uh, the best thing to do use is uh, a product called Flourish, which is a, a liquid fertilizer that you can get. Now the reason okay. the reason I recommend that is I actually do one for tomatoes and vegetables as well. So cool. it's got everything in it that you need. Uh, it's, yep. it's got uh, potash to promote the flowering. It's got nitrogen in there for the, the green leafy growth like you were talking about. Uh, so it'll do you know, pretty much everything for you. If you wanted to, you could also get, uh, you know, it's just a very light sprinkling of manure. But again, you know, you have to be really careful about that. Most people overuse it. You know, it's like the old pinch of salt theory. You yeah. know, you'll put in a pinch and then you go, nah, nah, that's, that's not enough. And you'll tip half the half the salt shaker in there. So you have to be really careful and not do that when you're using manure. It's just a really light sprinkling, uh, you know, will do it. And then just using the liquid fertilizers like we were talking about. Okay. Uh, I've got one other thing. Um, coffee grounds. Um, have you heard much about people using those in when growing plants? Yeah, look at it's really difficult. To, you, you really shouldn't be using coffee grounds. I've actually got a mate of mine who uh, owns a cafe, and he's forever trying to uh, get rid of his coffee grounds, uh, you know, to people and places. But you, you've got to remember that, um, you know, caffeine is actually um, sort of almost, almost a, a toxic um, sort of plant. It's uh, caffeine is okay. actually uh, it's uh, you know capable of paralysing insects. Uh, you know, that's you know that was actually in the plant. Uh, to be, you know, used as a, as, I guess, as a poison for insects going up and, uh, and uh, you know, trying to suck, suck away and uh, harm the plant. So starting to use coffee grounds like that, uh, you, look, you might use a, a, a sprinkling of it again uh, as, yep. an, as an organic material, but you certainly can't grow directly in it and you can't use it, you know, really thick and as a mulch because it's just going to leach, uh, you know, bad stuff down into your soil and, um, you know, mm -hmm. toxify it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, be very careful about that. Okay, thank you very much, Scott. Not a worry. Thank you. Um, one thing. Yes. Uh, the garden, garden, all the garden centres up around here are all sort of deceased now. There's, mm. I mean, there's hardly any uh, up around Nelson Bay yeah, and yeah, that so, anymore. So getting some decent advice is difficult for you. Yeah, yeah. and uh, like Flourish, I don't know whether I can get it from Woolworths or, or that, but, you know, now Woolworths is probably about my only option for 
to get fertilisers and things like that. Yeah, well, look, in that case, mate, uh, look, if they've got some sort of, you know, slow-release liquid fertiliser there on, on the shelves, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, give that a try and, uh, look, um, use that. It's it's going to be better than, you know, overusing your manures. Okay, thanks for that, Gavin. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye, mate. I thought Coffee Grounds was good. Coffee Grounds is good when, you know, you sort of get it in the machine and you put water down into it and then some milk and sugar. Yep. That's really good then, and lots of people like that, but for your plants, no, it's not fantastic. It doesn't keep them awake and bright. And... No, 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 it doesn't do huh. that. No. It gives them a little pepper, you know, a little bit of zip in the morning. <laughs> Just no. the start for the day, and no. apparently having coffee first thing is not good for you. Oh, but I heard the red wine was good for you at any time of the day. Any time of the day, is that but right? There's always studies like that coming out, you know, something's good, something's bad, but I, th- I think we can categorically say that, you know, growing your plants in coffee... Is, is not good. Is not going to give them that uh, sort of uh, wake them up that you're looking for, or that you usually Ass- have. Assumed. It, yeah, or that you presumed. have every morning yourself. <laughs> yes. We've got Janice now from Bottles Bay, and she's got a question about roses. Janice, how can we help you? Uh, yes, I've got some roses. Oh, well, I've got quite a few, but I've got about 12 of them that the regrowth on them it's gone all spindly and spidery-like. Oh, no. Mm. Oh, no. This this doesn't sound good. Let me... I, I've got a question for you. Have you or anyone known to you or people even unknown to you been spraying zero or Roundup around the area? No. We don't use it for that reason. And um, our neighbours haven't used it that I know of. Okay. Now, the, uh, that's because that will, you know, very quickly mutate roses and make them go all spindly and, and wiry and, and sort of, you know, deformed like that. The only other thing you could have is some sort of mite insect attacking the, the new growth. So you would... Well, yes? When I looked it up on the computer and I, I found a picture of what was, my, was happening with mine, it came up with a rose rosetti or a witch's broom uh, virus in it. Have you heard of those? Yeah, so roses do get viruses like that. Uh, is it all right through all of the roses, though? No, it's intermittent in, in different patches of the garden. I've got about 70 roses, and it's right. happened to about 12 of them. Yeah, look, so you, you can have uh, viruses. The only way to get rid of viruses is to actually prune it out and discard it, uh, you know, in a, in a plastic bag in the garbage. Unfortunately, that means you can start to, you know, actually prune away the rose completely. I would, as a first port of call, uh, get some sort of miticide, and uh, give it a try with a miticide, just hoping that, you know, it's an insect rather than a virus that's going through your roses. A miticide. Yeah. Now, if you have got a virus, the only thing to do is, like I said, prune it off. But then you also need to just make sure, you know, like if we're sick and have a virus, that we're as healthy as possible. So feeding, watering, uh, all, yeah, all of those things. Yeah, I've been doing all that. Yeah. And I've cut off all the, the parts that were bad and I've sterilised the... Um, secretaries yes. between roses and yeah yeah so look you're doing all the right things if it is a virus then uh there's look you can't spray it there's no sort of cure for it and much like uh in humans you know you go along to the doctor you're not you're feeling a little bit poorly and he says oh you've got a virus um you know that's 85 dollars on your way thanks very much and doesn't give you anything to uh, fix yourself and it's the same with roses uh where uh, you know, if you have got a virus, then there's nothing you can actually do to cure it of that virus, uh, except for trying to prune it out and uh, keep the plant as healthy as possible. I'd go, grab a miticide, give it a spray, and see if you can't, uh, you know, get rid of any insects that might be on there and curling up the leaves. Cause they're little yeah, saps, I've done, little... used a rose shield on it with, that does aphids and all that yeah. sort of thing. 
so the miticide would be better. Yeah, look, yeah, because little red spider mites, they're in there sucking the sap out of the leaves, the, you know, nice fresh little tender leaves, just the same as aphids and uh, thrips are. So they do a lot of damage too. So in, if that doesn't work, do you think I'm going to have to pull them all out and treat the soil of some sort well, or again you can't you know there's nothing to there's no way to treat, to treat it. the yeah. soil that's right yeah so pulling it out and doing that's not really going to have any effect uh, but uh, look that said if if the rose has got a virus you don't want it spreading to the next one so if you can't you know cure them you probably will have to get rid of those those particular roses that aren't looking very well for you Hoping you weren't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that, but that's, that's okay. That's why I'm, you know, fingers and, and toes are all crossed here. Um, that, yes. that it's actually going to be a little mite that's going through. That's why I was asking whether it's, you know, in particular roses or anyway. We'll, we'll see you what know, happens. It's just in, intermittent with different roses throughout the garden. Yeah, not look, in one patch. Oh, okay. Look, Janice, uh, feel free to give us a call back in a couple of weeks and uh, tell us whether you've had some success. Okay, then. Thank you so much for your help. Okay, have a nice afternoon. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, Janice. We've got Andrew now from Tea Gardens, and he's got a question about hydrangeas. Andrew, how can we help you, mate? Uh, hi. I've had this hydrangea uh, planted for about two years now. I've been longer than two years. But three years ago it flowered. Uh, last year it didn't, and it not, doesn't look like flowering this year. It's got lush green growth on it, but mm-hmm. no flowers. Okay, mate, what are you fertilising it with? I fertilised it with some blood and bone last season. Yes. And uh, just normal water after that. Yeah, okay, that, look, that, that's fine, blood and bone's fine. I, I was um, wondering if you'd been using a lot of poultry manure or something, on, you know, something that's high in nitrogen, because that would just give you the green leafy growth. The other thing about hydrangeas is that they re- really, the flowering responds to the way that they're pruned, so... When you you know when they've lost all their leaves in the middle of winter and you start giving it a bit of a tidy up, if you prune back to the double bud, that will ensure that you're going to get a flower coming up from that stem uh, later on in the year. But if you prune back right. to a single bud, you won't necessarily get a flower out of that one. So that's something you have to be really careful about, and uh, only you can answer that question whether you've done that correctly. You know, when you look into the uh, into the mirror later on tonight, uh, we, we we can't answer that for you, but uh, that's the most important thing. Going back to that double bud, double bud, and look, the other thing you can do, of course, is get some potash, sulfate of potash, and start uh, feeding that into the soil, which will promote flowering. You know, regardless. Right. Well, we had lush greenery um, last year, mm-hmm. and it's uh, we pruned it back. I can't remember if I took it back to the double bud or the, just took it back to a single bud. Uh, but it's, it's come up lush and green today and this this season, but no um, no buds as to speak of. Right. Look, yeah. the, the other thing you've got to um, be mindful of as well is it's still a little bit early uh, for hydrangeas. Usually, they're not in flower until we get to uh, you know late October, November. Uh, so it could just be nice and green for you at the moment. In you know three to four weeks' time, it's going to set off a whole lot of bud for you, and you're going to get a you know absolute burst of flowers. But we can't say that until we uh, you know yeah. we can't look into the future. Unlike Greg this morning, he could look I'd into I'd the future. I'd have a lot of numbers if you could do that. Yeah, that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Thanks very much okay, for that. Good luck with that, Andrew. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks, Bye. mate. Bye. Thanks, Andrew. We've got Sam now from at Carrington. He's got a question about a passion fruit vine. Sam, how can we help you, mate? Uh, it's me, Scott. Sam Ryan. Oh, um, you, uh, thank you very much for your kind advice for uh, the passion fruit problem I have. And, good, good. Uh, your extensive use of potash, which I've done. And mine, would you believe, I went away to Sydney over the weekend and uh, came back and it's starting to get little flowers on it. Oh, very because good. It, it, 
Yeah, it catches the, it's sort of on the on the back wall facing south, so it's in the sun all the time. So seasons are changing, my friend, aren't they? They they certainly are. And like you know, we have the beautiful uh, Saturday that we had, and then it gets a bit uh, chilly on on Sunday. And but look, it's all going to even out uh, hopefully in the next few weeks, and we'll be back at the beach and uh, you know shirts off and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> no, certainly that's what I'm thinking. And speaking of special Saturdays. Happy birthday for yours, mate. Well, it's not my birthday, Sam. It's not my birthday until no, no, no. later on in December. Oh, well, somebody told me it was your birthday on Saturday. Oh, look, they're, they're telling tales out of school. It's not. No, it really is. It is later on in December. I'm not going to give the exact date or the year oh, either. I'm keeping that a secret, I mate. I had. You, know my connection, you know my connections, mate. I'll find out. <laughs> I hope it wasn't my mother that told you that because uh, that means... Oh. Yeah, I never give up my sources, mate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Take it easy, Scott. Thanks for your help with the passion fruit. No worries, Sam. You have a good afternoon, mate. And you, mate. Bye. Cheers. Thanks, Sam. So it's really not your birthday? No, it's not, no. Oh, I believe Sam then, because I saw it come through, and I had happy birthday pumped or either play. And... Oh, really? Yep. Was... Well, you're going to have to hold it for a couple more months, We're yeah. We're going to run into a bit of... I'm not the age that I am. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm not the age that Sam thinks I might be until December. Okay. Yeah. So, happy birthday for December. Though. Yeah, you'd get in early in case you forget. <laughs> and we've got Bev from Toronto, and she's got a question about the beetroot. Bev, how can we help you with the, the beetroot? Well, they're just up. Um, you know, about a few days ago they popped up. And I remembered my husband used to always put boron on the beetroot. Yeah. And I was just wondering at what stage you put that on. See, I don't know that you can get boron anymore. I always thought that boron was a, a nasty thing to, to start using on, on plants because oh, it's actually well, toxic and would get absorbed up and do bad things to you. It doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't sound good at all, boron. does it? Boron. I've got a packet. I've got it from Marta Oh, okay. Well, I would definitely only use it according to the directions on the packet. Um, yeah, for my, for my memory, boron yeah, was something that uh, you had to be very careful about using. You just spray it on, you mix it with water. Okay. It's diluted. Yes. But I didn't know at what stage you put it on. Yeah, so I'd, I'd do it at this point in time now. Uh, again, use it really carefully uh, because what it's actually doing is helping to form that little bulb in under the ground and give it some you know, cellular structure. So once you see that bulb come up, that's when you'd start to use that to try and um, you know, really get, you know, get a nice beetroot in under the ground for you. Oh, good. It mentioned about celery as well. Yeah, and again, that's because you want to get that really nice crispy sort of cellular structure in, into the uh, into the plant, yeah. So would I just spray the leaves because I've got uh, plastic tubes on them to uh, bleach them and sweeten them up. Okay, on your celery, what do you do? You put a plastic tube around the stalk, do you? Yeah. Okay, and, and what does that do? Well, it bleaches it yeah. because when they come up, they're... Um, there's quite a lot of, you know, stalks there, but they're all green and they're a bit bitter. So you thread it on and um, keep it down onto the ground and it bleaches them and sweetens it. Okay, I've never heard of that one before, so obviously you've got some great old tricks of the trade out there that you're using. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but now, should I spray the leaves of the boron uh, with the boron? Yeah, you just spray the leaves. It's actually absorbed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, just be, make sure you're only using it according to the directions on the packet. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Okay, yeah, don't, go, right. don't go overusing that one. No, okay. Okay. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks, Bev. Have a nice afternoon.
Thank you. Bye. Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for another week. Now, you mentioned a few other flowers at the top of the show as well besides rain. Yes. Azaleas. Azaleas, they are looking spectacular at the moment. I think it's because they're, it's a little bit dry. Mm-hmm. They are looking, they're just a, a massive colour. So if you want to put some azaleas in your garden at the moment, now is the time to get out to your garden centre and uh, get the best choice. You'll see them in flower there, so you can choose the particular colour that you like. Uh, look, they're a really great little plant. They'll go out in the full sun for you. Uh, they've only got a shallow root system. Don't get too tall. You can get, you know, very short uh, azaleas like Karooms. You can get taller ones. Alba Magnifica are a white one. There's beautiful pinks, cerises, purples. Uh, but at this time of year, they are just looking spectacular. I think it's because it's a little bit dry. Okay. Uh, they are looking very, very good at the moment. So they prefer the dry more so. Well, I, I think they're a plant that likes you know a little bit of rain and then just to, to dry out. It, it's you know I, I think sometimes plants uh, flower better when they're a touch stressed as well. Okay. Yeah, they're trying to uh, get their flower out there and reproduce to make sure that you know at least their progeny is going to be there again for next year. And so I should go to my flowers and start calling them names and. Yes, yeah, stress them out a little bit. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yep. 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 Can I, can I do that? Yeah, you can do that. They might have hurt feelings, but they'll at least flower <laughs> nicely for you. <laughs> But yeah, azalea is looking fantastic at the moment. Uh, the other plant that's looking spectacular, and you really only see it flowering at this time of year. And then for the rest of the year, it sort of fades back away into the garden, and that's Laura Petlum. There's one called China Pink as well. Now, you, you, you'll see that at the moment because it, it has a really dark purple foliage about it. They're native yep. to China and Japan and sort of those Southeast Asian countries. But at this time of year, they just get a spectacular pink uh, flower, uh, like a little, uh, how would it, like a little strappy sort of um, petal on there, um, and there's multiple little petals come out there. The thing people do often is they prune them into a shape because they are a very prunable plant. And so at this time of year, you get these, you know, really nice rounded or square, you know, depending how the people have shaped them, pink, you know, balls or or squares that uh, just just look spectacular. Again, full sun, uh, they'll handle drying out. Uh, that's called Laura Petlum, a really great plant for this time of year. Beautiful, Scott Sharp. We are out of time. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much. We'll catch you next week. Yeah, next week. On to when you are FM 103.7. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.